Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's official Everton podcast. And have we got a cracker for you? My three guests have accumulated 373 international appearances between them, scoring 87 goals in the process. And when you consider that one of them is a goalkeeper, well, that's some statistic. And each one of them certainly left their mark on Everton Football Club. Don't forget, each one of them also scored for Everton Football Club as well. It's a delight to welcome Landon Donovan, Brian McBride, and of course, Tim Howard. Gentlemen, thank you very much indeed for joining us. And must inquire, first of all, as to your well-being in these strange times. Landon, you're on the West Coast. All good with you? Uh, physically, yes. I've got three little kids running around every day, so mentally, not so much. But hope <laughs> to get out of this soon. Everything okay in Chicago, Brian? Yeah, all good. Um, you know, our, our oldest is home from college, so it's been a full house and it's been great. We've, uh, we've had a lot of fun binge-watching some movies and shows um, and just having, having good meals together. Keep yourself busy, Tim? Yeah, amen to that. Um, you know, just laying low, lots of working from home, which, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually enjoying uh, keeping fit, working out, lots of time to do that, and, you know, uh, enjoying the kids lots and you know, they're off school so get to train with my daughter one-on-one um, playing a bit of football and then um, hang with my son so it's been good as I mentioned in the introduction each of you left your mark on Everton Football Club each of you came on loan initially Brian if I can start with you it was your second loan spell under David Moyes because he had you oppressed in North End he did yeah uh, I was fortunate enough to to really enjoy that experience. And um, oddly enough, I actually, while I was at Preston, um, I saw one Premier League game because Joe Max was was at Everton and, and came and watched uh, a game there. So I had a, a bit of knowledge of, of what the stadium's like. Landon, when you first came to Everton, you didn't have that much of a settling in period, did you? It tends to happen that when you come on loan, you've got to hit the ground running. Yeah, it was it was a little bit uh, odd. I'd never done something like that where I'd gone in and uh, trained for a few days um, while a team was in the middle of their season. So it was an interesting dynamic for me. But fortunately, I had a great reception there from having Tim there helped immensely. Um, the staff were great. The fans were great. And then the, the rest of the players were great. So I was able to to settle in pretty quickly. You spoken at length to Tim before you decided to come to Everton. Yeah, we had a lot of a lot of conversations, um, including the initial one where he let me know that Everton were interested, and I had time to speak with David Moyes and learn a little bit about the club. But let's be honest; I mean, having the opportunity to go play in the Premier League for that club was an easy answer. Uh, the question was, you know, how how are we going to make it work? right, from a Galaxy and an Everton perspective. Unfortunately, we were able to do that. Tim, people tend to forget at times that you came to Everton initially on loan. What was the thought process behind that? Was it a chance for you to see what we were like or were you determined to win your place back at Manchester United at the end of it? No, I, I, I had my heart set on, um, you know, when it comes to my football career, loyalty was everything. And so once I, once I came on loan, I was – the the detail was in was in the contract. I I was I planned on being at Everton for a long time. I had no I had no desire to go back to Manchester United. And so, um, even though it was on loan initially, you know I, I wanted to go there and, and continue to to get better and improve my football. And that was the place I wanted to be. Brian, your debut for Everton was against Tottenham Hotspur. Now we'd 
we were in a bad run of form at the time. We'd lost against Shrewsbury Town in the FA Cup the week before. What were your instructions from David Moyes? Can you remember? Because we needed a lift at the time, big time. Uh, yeah, I think the, the injuries definitely took its toll. Uh, I was at that Shrewsbury game, and um, the real overall arching uh, conversation was just basically play the soccer you you, you play. Um, don't try and change things up. Uh, like Landon said, it's, you're jumping into a a group that's been playing for half a season already. So um, uh, that part was 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 pretty straightforward, um, and no special uh, special uh, tactical changes. You were already an experienced player, but it must have been a, a huge relief and a, a massive delight to score so early in your first game. Right there, are you saying I was old? Experience, bit of know-how behind you. Okay. All right, I got you. Um, yeah, it was uh, ironically it was against uh, probably my best friend in, in soccer, in Casey Keller, uh, in goal for Tottenham. So um, there was two two special uh, meetings to that day. I can hold that over his head for for a lifetime, um, but also just the the, the, the enjoyment of. Um, representing Everton and playing my first Premier League game was 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 there. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't win the game, so it wasn't as enjoyable. Um, but yeah, great time. Leon Osmond made his debut for Everton that day, came on for the last 60 seconds or so. Now, obviously, uh, you'd read nothing into that game, but you would have trained with Aussie. Did you think he'd go on and play more than 400 games for the Blues? Was he one of those players that you knew would do it? Yeah, you could see how talented he was. Not, not just the talent, but the drive and the, the inner thought process of, of taking everything in during practice, after practices, watching, you know, professionals and how they work. And um, you add in the fact that, that he's, a, he's a really good person. Um, you could see him going far and, and playing for a long period. Just want to speak about your debut for Everton London against Arsenal. Again, you're a, you're, you're a big name player when you came to Everton. The supporters knew all about you, but I'm sure... There was one or two that were thinking, because when we played Arsenal away, the weather, you remember, was atrocious. Yeah. Uh, it was wind, it was snow, it was hail, it was everything. And I'm sure one or two people thought, let's see how the boy from Los Angeles does here. And, and it went well, didn't it? It did go well. The, I actually prefer cold weather uh, always. I always have in my career for whatever reason. I'm not sure. So I enjoy, that was part of the reason why I enjoyed playing in, in England so much is I, I felt like I could just run more. And and felt had I like I had more energy, so that game was a really special memory, obviously for me. Um, it was a game we should have won, to be honest. I think we gave up a late goal and drew two two, but that was a, a special moment for any player to get to play at the Emirates. But for us, um, it was a good learning experience for me because came into the dressing room after, and if you had said before the match. 2-2, would you take it? I think I'd say, yeah, away against Arsenal. Yeah, why not? Uh, but came into the locker room, and I, I vividly remember Tim, Phil, uh, Tim Cahill, absolutely livid that we had given up a late goal and, and drawn the game. And it told me a lot about what that club was about, that, that they expected more than just to draw 2-2 away at Arsenal. Like I said earlier, Landon, you didn't have time to bed in, really. You had to hit the ground running. Did they always just say to you that day, just give me what you've got and let me know when you're tired? He did. It was, it was basically that. And in the morning, he had told me he was considering starting me in the match. 
which I thought honestly was a little crazy. I'd only been there a week. Um, but I think he was, he was really smart in that he, he didn't want me to think about it. So when we got to the stadium, he always named the team at the stadium. Um, my name was in the team and I, I, it was just time to get ready and play. I didn't have time to sit around all day and think about it. So he really, uh, he was really clever in that way and knew how to, to get a lot out of players. And that worked great for me. And he did, he just said, go as long as you can. I remember in the 70th minute I started cramping and so I had to get off the field, but it was a really special memory for me. Tim, when you first came to Everton, I remember speaking to, to Phil Neville. He came to Everton from Manchester United and he said he really felt he had to prove himself to his teammates, let alone the supporters. Did, did you feel the same way? I did. And just a, a quick blurb on, um, on Landon's debut. I, I remember that vividly and, and selfishly. He, he hadn't been there very long and obviously, you know, every player would like a few more days to bed in with the team and, um, you know, to play at the Emirates away from home when you know our backs are against the wall, not an easy task, but I selfishly, because, you know, Landon and I had such a great rapport and friendship and I played with them um, in the toughest of games in the deepest of trenches. I was selfishly hoping he would play, you know, it's a game where we'd be able to hit them on the counter. The game would be wide open. Emirates is a brilliant pitch, massive stadium. Um, and so when, when he got the nod to play, it was, uh, you know, I, I was excited. And obviously he repaid us with, with, uh, with an incredible performance. Um, you know, as far as going to Everton, for me, um, I absolutely – I had played in the Premier League for three years. So I knew about um, the people of Merseyside, the Evertonians. I, I knew what the pride was like there. So, uh, again, as I said, once I had committed to going on loan, which was prior to um, – May of 2006, I believe it was, right after our season, before the three of us went on to Germany and played in the World Cup. And so my whole focus from, from the time that my season ended at Man United, you know, through to the World Cup and then preseason was just trying to figure out how I was going to have success uh, with Everton and for Everton. And, yeah, absolutely, the fans play a massive part in that, and they, they did from day one all the way until the end. That was part of, um, you know, a massive part of my motivation. Um, in in my career was trying to impress them and didn't always happen but I think overall yeah um, we had a, we had an amazing relationship. David Moyes famously tends to leave no stone unturned when he's signing a new player Tim did he have a lengthy conversation with you about Landon? <clears throat> yeah I mean look it's as you mentioned before he was a household name so it wasn't as if um David Moyes had to do too much homework, you know, I think just a, the small uh, intangibles that only someone like myself who, who played with him so often uh, would know. But you know, David Moyes' mind was, was made up. I just, um, you know, I just gave my two cents. Ryan, when you first arrived at Everton, there were, there, were, there were some big characters inside the dressing room. As I said earlier, David Moyes loved his characters. Did you, did you feel yourself settling in straight away with the, with the, the Alan Stubbs, the David Unsworths, the... Uh, the Kevin Campbells and the like. Yeah, uh, you know, I have to say it was uh, it was pretty pretty amazing how quickly people were accepting of uh, an older um, forward, especially you know two of the guys there and, and Big Dunks and Kev that that were um, they were they were excellent to me uh, from from the day I got there to the day I left. And um, you know, you can look at Unzi and, and how uh, how he great he was. Um, you know, there, there was, you know, Watsa, Watto, um, we, we had some, some really good people that sort of helped me through it. Thankfully, I got a little advice, uh, that first day to not, uh, shut the, the bathroom stall door. 
that was that was good. <laughs> Who gave you that advice, Brian? Uh, gosh, I think it was. I can't remember exactly who it was, but ironically, about three minutes later, I was sitting in the in the dressing room, and all of a sudden, I hear a big ah, <laughs> and everybody just started laughing because we had I think there was three new uh, loanees or two new loanees, and someone had shut the stall door, so the bucket of ice cold water went over the top. <laughs> that used to happen quite frequently. Belfield was. Belfield was special. When we moved to Finch Farm, Brian, in 2007, you'd obviously moved on to other things, but we needed to move because we'd outgrown Belfield, but there was a special atmosphere about Belfield, wasn't there? Yeah, I think that the, probably the word you'd use is character. You walk in and, and you know you see the, the, uh, how everything works, the way things were, were put together, um, and you can, you can sort of you know, look at it and think, wow, you know, back in the, the 60s, someone was taking a... Uh, an ice bath in the same cement, uh, what you would call a whirlpool without the whirlpool. Um, so those things were, were pretty unique. And, and for me going there, um, you know, my long first loan experience at Preston, we, they didn't even have a training facility. It was a park um, that basically they, they rented out that uh, was nowhere near the stadium and nowhere near any, any facilities. But um you know, having the fields right there and seeing, you know, going through a gate, it just gave gave me a, a better sense of of what professional uh, soccer slash football is like um, when you when you get to the top level. Landon, this element of of wanting to prove yourself or needing to prove yourself, did you get a sense of that when you came to Everton? Absolutely. Um, showing up, I, I showed up at halftime on January 2nd. I'd flown overnight on, on New Year's Day. And Everton were playing, I think, maybe Carlisle in the FA Cup. Carlisle in the Cup, I and remember, so I yeah. showed up at halftime and I was watching the match. And you have to remember coming from America, we had, you know, sometimes you had sold out stadiums, but you never had an atmosphere like that. That was really new to me. And I'm sure Brian and Tim can speak to that when they first stepped foot uh, in a stadium there you never had an atmosphere like that and that's intimidating uh, as well as inspiring I'll never forget uh, I was walking through the um, the hallways downstairs at Finch Farm my first week and Stubbsy uh, it's funny you just brought up Stubbsy Brian he uh, stopped me in the hallway and he said Landon I don't want to take too much of your time I just want to tell you one thing and I said what's that and he said as long as you run and work and run and fight and run, the people here will love you. So you don't have to complete a pass, you don't have to score goals, you just run and they will love you. And I kind of took that, like I, I took it in, but I didn't really realize it until I stepped on the field for the first time at Goodison in a match and then I went, oh, now I get it, right? Every time you ran and tackled and made a play like that, the crowd just went crazy. And so that was, um, I took it as inspirational, but it can also be intimidating, right? If you're not that type of player, you're not, you don't bring that out. That can be difficult. I remember that game against Carlisle United. You've probably long forgotten, but I took you into the marquee just outside the stadium and introduced you to the punters that were in there. And I remember mm -hmm. you saying to me, whatever you need me to do media-wise, as long as you give me notice, I'll do it. Because you were determined to embrace Everton Football Club, weren't you? Not just not just go out there on a Saturday afternoon, but just to embrace the whole football club and the whole experience. 
Well, Darren, I, I felt it right away. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm the type of person who, if I feel um, respected and that people are giving me something, I want to repay it. I really do. And so I felt like I didn't even deserve it when I got there. I hadn't earned it yet, so I didn't deserve it. But the people were giving it, the ushers, all the staff, the players, they were so accepting and welcoming. I never wanted to let them down. I really didn't. Tim, I suppose you needed Landon to hit the ground on him as well, didn't you? Because if he had not been a success, you'd have probably been sitting in David Moy's office explaining yourself. <laughs> I, I, was in, I was in the gaffer's office explaining myself more, more times than I want to count. So that would have just been another one. But listen, you know, I, I don't have high enough praise for these two guys and, and playing with Landon as long as I did. It, he wasn't, he wasn't going to fail. He wasn't going to let us down. So that never crossed my mind. When did you feel a senior member of the dressing room, Tim? When did you feel like one? Because you quit, quite quickly, I think, became a big voice, one of the leaders in the dressing room. Did that happen quite quickly for you? No, no, there was too many, there was too many um, strong voices, strong Evertonians, you know, um, Pease and Stubbsy were the, were the club captains. Um, Hibbo and Ozzy were there when I got there. Uh, the year after I came, Bainsy arrived. So it was just a lot of Evertonians there that I wasn't trying to overstep my bounds. I had a leadership role as a goalkeeper, which we, we always do. But, um, you know, I, I, I I tried to lead the team and, and, and walk walk the line and stay in my lane. I think the one moment and that sticks out in my career, um, it's it's past the test of time. I was sitting in the boot room. It was after a loss, and it was when Luis Saha, who was my teammate at uh, Man United, came to the team, and I was sulking. It was a Monday, and we had uh, we had lost uh, on on the Saturday, and I was in the boot room, came off the training ground, and I was sulking, and he asked me what was wrong, and I and I questioned him as if. What do you mean? What's wrong? We just got we just got thumped, and 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 I'm upset, and I'm annoyed, and even two days later, I'm annoyed. And I remember Louis saying to me, which obviously he was a big player, right? And um, you know, him saying to me that I couldn't act that way, that I needed to puff my chest out and hold my head high because everybody in the dressing room uh, was following my lead, and that I had a lot of influence. And I just remember I remember being blown away at that singular moment. And so that stood out for me. I don't remember what year that was, uh, but it was early on when Louis was there. And so. Um, I've always tried to stay in my lane, but, you know, it was it was that key moment for me that allowed me to um, realize that I was part of the fabric at Everton. And I think also, Tim, good advice to give to a new player would be listen to the Scousers. They know oh, the yeah. football club, they know the city, they know the fans. If they speak, you might not understand them until they speak slowly, but listen yeah. to what they say. Yeah, look, I, uh, that was that was not lost. I mean, you know, from the moment I came in the door, there was a few people, um, and I've said it I've said it often, you know, uh, Stubbsy, Hibbo, and Ozzy, I wanted to earn their respect. I wanted to learn the culture of the football club, not just how, you know, how, the everything we have, how to play football, but like what it, what it actually meant to them to play for that club. And, um, and I did. I, I, I shut my mouth and I listened and I learned. Uh, if I bring you back in, Brian, one of the scousers in and around the squad when you were there was, of course, Wayne Rooney. What were your early impressions of him? Because he'd have been, what, 17, 18 at the time, but already one of the best players in the Premier League. Uh, you could see how talented he was just, you know, from the training ground. I remember the first training I got there, and, um, it was a Friday, so it was pretty light. And then we had did some shooting at the end. And, you know, this, this young kid who certainly I've seen the goal that he scored against Arsenal and I'm thinking, okay, you know, and seen him play a little bit, but just his ability to finish at, at even at that young age was, was spectacular. Um, and so you could see a, a really bright future. 
the other thing that stood out to me is, is most young players don't like contact and don't like to, to sort of get in the mix, especially if you're a smaller size player. And, um, you know, that first game and, you know, they, they were some big, big center backs and he just wanted contact. He'd be backing into them and, and you could see that, that there wasn't anything that really was going to hold him back. Landon, you mentioned before about the, the atmosphere at Goodison Park. I remember your first game at Goodison Park as an Everton player, Manchester City, midweek under the floodlights. They were flying at the time. We beat them 2-0. The atmosphere must have made a real impression on you, as I suppose with the atmosphere in the Merseyside derby, although the one that you played in, we didn't win. Yeah, I, I think, and Tim and Brian can attest to this, playing uh evening games or even early evening games at Goodison were really special. So if it was a midweek game or a Sunday afternoon game, um, it just felt different and felt special when the lights were out and uh, having the opportunity. I remember having the opportunity to come over was exciting by itself, but I remember looking at the schedule for the three months that I was going to be there and I'm probably getting the two loan spells mixed up, but during those times we played Chelsea at home City at home, Man United at home. Um, we had some incredible fixtures, and it was it was really special to play those nights at Goodison. I'll, I'll remember for the rest of my life. Uh, the Derby was great. It was at Anfield. Um, that was a just a whole different experience. And even the week leading up to it, you could tell in the dressing room how different it was. Um, especially, like Timmy said, for the Scousers because it meant so much more to them. So that was a game in particular you really didn't want to let um, not only the fans down, you didn't want to let your teammates down. At the end of your first loan spell, Landon, David Moyes wanted you to stay, didn't he? Uh, I think so. I mean, he brought me into his office um, near the end and he said, I, I wouldn't be doing my job if, if I didn't ask you if you wanted to stay. And I had made a, I had made a, a pact with the Galaxy that in exchange for them letting me go on loan, that I would come back. Uh, to the galaxy. So it was certainly tempting. I, I was really just from a pure football standpoint or soccer standpoint, it was three of the best months of my career. So it was very tempting, but I did want to keep my word to the galaxy. That was a three month stint for Landon, Tim, but you were around for what, 11 years. Was there ever a point when you were linked with another football club or you thought yourself about moving on maybe, or you personally had a, a little bit of a whisper? I mean, not to my knowledge, I wasn't I wasn't really linked um, with anybody. And I, I look, I never wanted to leave. Everything I I was able to, um, you know, we were always pushing for the Champions League in a, in Europa League, a couple deep runs in Europa League, um, FA Cup semifinal, FA Cup final. Um, was able to uh, be a part of three World Cup teams and World Cup qualifying all in my time um, with Everton. So like the, all. All of my goals and my dreams and my aspirations were, were, were coming true. So it wasn't like I, I felt the need to move. And also, I think, you know, again, I talk about that club loyalty. I wasn't putting my, my name out there. My agent wasn't fishing my name out there. So um, there was never anything that, that got legs in terms of me leaving. I was, I was always going to be there. I did a podcast with James McFadden, Lee Carsley and Victor Nietzsche recently, Tim. We spoke about European football. We had some special nights, didn't we? Yeah, some really good times. And just, you know, I always remember the, the European nights at home, of course, under the lights, as Landon mentioned, there's a special sense and a special atmosphere in Goodison. But, uh, you know, also those those away trips and, and some 
uh, random European country and, and the Toffees who, who traveled abroad with us. And, um, you know, again, we had, we had so much, uh, so much success, even in those away matches that, you know, getting on the bus and having a sing song coming back from someplace in Ukraine felt great headed to the airport. So again, special memories you have your teammates. Ryan, was there ever an option for you to, to stay on after your loan spell expired? Um, nothing, nothing concrete. Um, so when I first arrived, uh, Moise, unlike a Preston situation uh, where Preston was, hey, you know, we're interested if things go right and uh, we'd possibly be interested in buying you. Um, my first day there, Moise pulled me in the office and said, listen, you know, I really appreciate you coming and helping. We've got, you know, injuries to the front line. Um, but I've made a statement to, to the board that I'm not planning on signing anyone over the age of 30, let alone, <laughs> the, yeah, very funny, right? Yeah. Uh, over the age of 30 and, um, in the same position as, as two of the highest earners that are also over 30. So I said, just, you know, give me what you got. Uh, you're going to enjoy your time here and, um, you'll, you'll love playing for, for the fans. And so, uh, so I went about, and after, I think it was probably after like the sixth game, he pulled me back in and he goes, you know what I said about when I first, when you first came, uh, there might be something on the table. If, and I said, you know, let's not worry about that right now. And that was really the, probably the last of the conversation because Kevin was coming back from injury um, two, two games later. So, if I'm honest, probably nothing real, real concrete. Was David Moyes a different manager at Everton than he had been at Preston North End? Had he changed as a man? Had he changed as a manager? You know, the, the, the funny thing was when I first got there, I'm thinking, okay, you know, it's a huge club and will he be any different? And I can tell you, he wasn't. Um, you know, he, he had this ability to communicate. He was a great communicator to players. Um, he was attention to detail and he just had every aspect that you'd want and, you know, never, never thought of himself, um, as this amazing manager, which, you know, in my opinion, he was and still is. So, um, answer your question simply, no, he, he was the same guy and, and I was very thankful for that. David Moyes clearly rated you as well, Lander, because he came back to you for a second spell at Everton. Was that second decision just as easy to make as the first one had been? It was, um, but I, I did, if I'm being honest, I did have some thoughts of, I didn't want to ruin um, what had happened before, right? It's, you know, mm. you see a good movie and sometimes the sequel is terrible. And so I, I was conscious of that, but I also didn't want to turn down that opportunity to go back. And it was a little bit harder the second time because Everton were in a bad way. And I remember when I showed up first day at training and Phil Neville saw me and he said, Lennon, why would you come back here? This team is terrible. <laughs> I said, here's Um So anyway, so it, you know, we, we were able to do okay during that time. So it turned out okay. But I, I was a little apprehensive initially, but then I didn't want to pass down that opportunity. So let me ask you about stateside Evertonians because there certainly seems to be a lot more blues on the other side of the Atlantic than there were before you came. To Everton from Manchester United in the first place. Yeah, I think I feel a lot of pride in that. And, and certainly uh, Brian and Landon and myself have honestly been a driving force of that. Um, 
you know, uh, not to say that every single American who pulls on an Everton shirt is a fan because of the three of us, but a lot of them are. And I think that part of my, my pride for the club and, and being American is being able to go around the States and have conversations with Evertonians and uh, a lot of their, a lot of their um, fandom and love for the club uh, is a direct line to uh, myself, Brian and Landon. And so again, something that fills me with a massive sense of pride. Did you get that too, Landon? Did you notice more and more royal blue jerseys in the crowd at the Galaxy Games after you'd played for Everton? A few more, but I think Tim's being Tim's being humble. I mean, it was he 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 put Everton on the map in the U.S. right and be, and, and helped Everton become a household club and start and which started little fan groups all over the country. So I, I think they were. Um, those fans were there. I just never noticed them until I went and played. And when I came back, I would see, uh, I would see Everton jerseys all over the place. And then when you realize there, there's also been a relatively long history of Americans going there compared to other Premier League clubs and doing well, it makes it pretty special. And I think that anybody who has, who has been to Goodison Park, any American who has been, would not come away um, as anything other than a diehard fan. There's no there's no way you couldn't fall in love with that place after watching a match there. And so when Americans are exposed to that, uh, I think that's why they fall in love with it so quickly. I recall you getting a good reception when you came back with Fulham, Brian. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, but I, I want to second exactly what Landon said. I think the, the difference, you know, my, t my time at Everton was short. Um, Landon, of course, was there at two different periods, but Tim was there permanently. And I think when fans, uh, American soccer fans, uh, see someone there that's, that's, that is their team, that, that Tim's representing a team and, and wholly part of it, it gives an ownership to, to a fan. And, and, you know, you get, you get a lot more buy-in to the fact that, you know what, that guy that I like, that I'm a big fan of on, on my national team, that's his team. You know what? I'm going to make it my team. And uh, yeah, Tim's Tim's, um, of course, being being a little bit uh, too nice, and <laughs> certainly needs deserves a lot more recognition for uh, uh, not only the love of of uh, soccer for most fans, but the love of of uh, Everton soccer uh, as an American. This is an official Everton podcast, and we've got a couple of questions that have been sent in by some of our US toffees. The, the first question's for you, Tim. It's from uh, Andy Woodring, who's from the Syracuse Toffees in New York. Are you surprised that Mikel Arteta has become a manager, Tim? Um, no. No, Mikel is, uh, he was an incredibly talented footballer. Obviously, his soccer IQ was, was through the roof. Um, someone who understands the English game, and obviously... Look, his his uh, connection that went way, 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 way back with Pep Guardiola uh, allowed him uh, through a door after he was playing at Man City that most people don't get. And so, you know, if there was ever anybody who was ready to be a manager at a big club, and that's obviously the way that, that the Premier League was going at the time with Frank Lampard getting named uh, at Chelsea, uh, Mikel, Mikel is going to do really good things. So it doesn't surprise me at all. Question for you, Brian. Michael Setterberg from the New York Evertonians. Would you like to see the tradition of U.S. international players continue at Everton? And if so, are there any out there? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's plenty. There's plenty. We've got a, we've got a good pipeline coming through. 
Um, but, you know, I think, um, I think anybody that is ready um, as a player that they're mentally prepared and they're, they're physically and technically capable uh, would thrive um, at, at Everton. There's, there's specific um, traits that I think American soccer players have. And, and most of those traits fit in very well with, with Everton, Everton and Evertonians. What's the standard of international football like at the moment, Brian? Standards, the standard's great. Um, I think it, it's continually, uh, continues to get better. I think what you're seeing now is, um, as far from the American side, I think you're seeing uh, young players having a better understanding of uh, what it takes to be a soccer player. So it's not just technical. It's not just athletic. Um, it's understanding the game. It's all aspects of it. And, um, you know, we've, we've got to continue. There's been a lot of changes lately uh, in the youth landscape. So it's going to be a real, um, a real important uh, job for, for us at U.S. Soccer and for the rest of uh, our coaches throughout the United States to continue that high level of, uh, of standards. What's your role with the U.S. Soccer, Brian? So uh, technically, I'm the general manager of the men's national team, um, but I also have uh, my hands in the youth national team setups um, with oversight coming from Ernie Stewart and um, a lot of collaboration with our our, um, our our employees in the youth side. Tony Lapore has been excellent um, as the technical director for the youth national team, not technical director, but in charge of um, – uh, talent ID. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been a busy, busy period, even though programming's down and, and off. Um, we're still working through a ton of different things. Landon, how are you enjoying coaching? Uh, depends on the day. Uh, <laughs> most of the time, <laughs> most of the time it's enjoyable. Uh, it is pretty fun to get the opportunity to to have a positive impact on these young men's lives. And I, I'm in the same level that Tim's at in the USL championship. So these are not major league soccer players who are earning millions of dollars. These are kids who are, are playing to try to get their chance to move on and try to make something even, even better for themselves. So in that sense, we can have a real impact on them every day. Uh, it's not, it's not the player who's already polished and has already been a professional and, is just keeping their body sharp every week to play games. These are guys who need help and they need to be taught. And that, that part I really enjoy. I am really enjoying that part. Of course, like anything, um, there are ups and downs and there, there are long days. Um, it's a lot of work, but uh, the effort so far has been really worth it. On a match day, is that when you missed being a top class player at the top level, London? Do you wish you could just put your boots on and go and run out again? I miss. I do miss the games. Um, I, I miss. I, I do miss the the energy around the games, and I think Brian and Tim would would agree with that. There's something special about that that you can't get anywhere else in your life. So that part is difficult. It's hard as a as a coach actually, as a player. Game day, you were still doing a lot as far as preparation, you're mentally preparing, you were sleeping, you were eating the right way. As a coach, there's almost nothing left to do. I mean, you've done all the work and there's almost nothing to do. So it's weird sitting around all day on a Saturday trying to figure out what to do. That's been a, a big change for me. Tim, how are things going at Memphis? 
Good. You know, we're, we're, um, we're in our second year and just starting to create more and more building blocks. You know, uh, Landon, Landon did an eloquent job of describing what the league is like and what the players are like. And you do, you just get this, for the most part, you get this absolute buy-in because this is all these players have. They are clinging to uh, their hope and their dream of going to uh, other leagues and beyond. And even if it's um, continuing to earn good money in the USL and uh, making a living for themselves and their family, it is, uh, it's impressive. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's something I've enjoyed being a part of, obviously on, on my side of things, um, trying to lure people to Memphis and, and tell them that they, you know, what it is they hope and, and dream they can achieve can be achieved here. So we've got a really good group of guys. Um, you know, they, they, they take information on board like sponges. And so it's, it's pretty cool to see. You've got Jose Baxter with you over there, who's yeah. one of our own, another Scouser as well. Yeah. How has the Scouser adapted to it all? Um, as you could imagine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's been brilliant. You know, obviously when Jose became available and no, I, I, I've mentioned, and I think, you know, Landon being there during that time, you know, Jose is a, is and was a generational talent. You know, his football skills were fantastic. He was 16 years old when he started, you know, in the Premier League. And so, um, just giving him an opportunity to continue to showcase those skills, be a leader in a new environment. Um, he's, he understands the game and he sees it so quickly. Um, he's been a breath of fresh air. Real, really, really good and great for our players. Has he been a bit of a leader on and off the pitch, Tim? Yeah, he has. And like, like I said, he's seen it all. You know, he's been there. He, he understands how to mentor people around him. Um, you know, I want, I want, it's hard in, in our league, but I want to bring in guys who aren't afraid of the moment. You know, lights, lights go on and, and the whistle blows. It's, they're not going to be worried about the, the crowds or, or, or the enormity of the situation. And that's someone, that's Jose. Landon, just before you went into coaching, I noticed you played some indoor soccer. Just give us a feeling of how big indoor soccer is in the States. Uh, it's not, it's not huge, but there were, there was a stretch in the, in um, the eighties and early nineties where indoor soccer was, was really big, was massive here because major league soccer hadn't started. Um, however, there is more history in that game than there is in anything else that we do in the soccer world in this country. So when, you know, when Tim and Brian are telling stories um, about before I was there, uh, it's really, it's really special part of this game, this sport in particular with the history that's involved and indoor soccer has that. So the San Diego soccer's had some, some big players play here uh, who played outdoor during, during the, um, some times of their career. And so there's a really cool history in that building in San Diego where the, where the team plays. And that part of it was really fun to, to be a part of. With, with, a, with a decent fan base as well, Landon? Yeah, they do pretty well. They're, it's a, not a huge arena. It's probably seats 10,000 people and they get four, five, 6,000 people in there. So it's pretty loud because it's in, indoor and it's really enjoyable. There are people who have been going for 20, 30 years, which you don't have in this country because we haven't had professional soccer uh, in a real way for that long. So it's, it's a really neat tradition to continue. Did you have to find yourself staying on your toes at times and being nice and sharp? Because I'm sure there were players playing against you that would have loved the notoriety of putting one right on Landon Donovan. <laughs> I think I dealt with that a few times in my career, but actually most, most <laughs> of the players were, were pretty uh, excited because it brought some, some spotlight to the league for them. And, and these guys, it's, 
these guys are grinding along and, and trying to make a life for themselves and they love the game and they want to keep playing the game. So it, I really enjoyed being a part of it. I'll start to wrap it up now, guys. I'm conscious you've, you've got busy lives to live over there on the, uh, in the States. Brian, you look back on your time at Everton still with a lot of affection, don't you? I do. Um, you know, before, before I hopped on this call, I was wearing a red shirt. Oh, <laughs> and I thought, oh boy, I've got to change this color. So I, I purposely went and put on a blue shirt. Um, you know, those are the things that, that stick with you uh, for life. And certainly will always remem remember my time at Everton with uh, extreme fondness and the friendships uh, that built in a short period of time, relationships that I think uh, last over the length of life. You must be the same, Landon. You liked it so much you did it twice. Loved it. And I, I, my only sadness is that I haven't had the chance to go back since. So at some point soon here I will. But that that entire experience um, is, is special to me in a way that nothing else has been in my career. And aside from Phil Neville, I'll remember everything <laughs> about it. <fondly. laughs> Tim, obviously, we had you back at Cuddleston Park recently. We know your love for the football club. I just want to ask you about your friendship with the chairman. It's a pretty unique relationship between a player and a chairman. It must be. Yeah, he's a special person. Um, and not just to me. He's poured his heart out for the club and for other players, and he, he stays in contact with uh, quite a number of players. But the fact that he takes the time um, you know, to speak with me, I'm always humbled by it, and uh, I have a lot of love for him. Look, Everton's the greatest football club in the world, bar none. And every everything that's good in my life, I can trace back to Everton Football Club, um, my children included. So, yeah, it's a, it's a special place. And I, that my ties to the chairman only make it more special. What was it like being on the pitch again a few weeks ago? You know, I told, I told a bunch of my friends, uh, close friends of mine, um, without without being too nostalgic. I, I hadn't been back. As Landon, as Landon said, he hasn't been back yet. And I left. And sometimes it's... It's good to create that separation. I, I cheered for the club, you know, every single moment, every single Saturday. But uh, it had been five years or so since I've been back. And uh, I walked down a tunnel. I stepped onto the grass. And I, I told a bunch of my friends that, for me, that was home. There was, there was n nothing about that that seemed, um, that seemed different. It was exactly where I felt I, I needed to be. So it's a special place for me. This has been an official EvertonFC.com podcast. If you've enjoyed it, simply head to your usual podcast app, and search Everton and you'll find all the podcasts we've already done. And it's also the simplest way to access all the future broadcasts as well. Absolute pleasure to catch up with you three guys. You were sensational for us on and off the field when you were at Everton Football Club. I appreciated everything you did for us when you were here and I appreciate you joining us for this Everton podcast. Brian McBride, Landon Donovan and Tim Howard, three absolute legends. Thank you so much for your time and thank you everybody for listening. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Tim. See you, guys. Cheers, man. Thanks, pal.